Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877 Eric, 877-973-7425. It's Friday. We go a little looser on the phone calls. I want to be, well, I was going to begin with Pete Boot Edge Edge and his paternity leave. We'll get there. But first, you need to know where my wife is right now. You actually do need to know where my wife is right now. My wife has a Harley. When my wife was a kid, she wanted a motorcycle. No one would ever get her a motorcycle. She got cancer back in 2016, and she pulled the cancer card and told me I had to buy her a motorcycle as her therapy. We had a house that we couldn't sell, hadn't sold, and moved into a new house, and it had sat there for about six years. And I told her, if you sell the house, I'll get you motorcycle so within three days she had the household this sat there for six years six years it had sat there she sold it in three days she when she sets her mind to stuff ho, 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 ho. she set her mind earlier this year to, to getting in shape she's down about 50 pounds been going to the gym she can kick my butt for sure now uh, put on so much muscle and she rides her harley fat boy which she's had since 2016 my wife is at a Patriot Guard ride right now. Patriot Guard, it is motorcyclists, uh, many of them veterans, not all of them, my wife is not, who ride in a gathering and a procession for soldiers and police officers and others who have died. She is riding in a Patriot Guard ride to honor Dylan Harrison, a 26-year-old police officer who leaves behind his wife and six-month-old. He was killed the other night, his first day on the job of a new job. Officer Harrison had been with a uh, drug task force in middle Georgia. Moved to a new job in a small town, Alma, Georgia. He had tasered a criminal suspect in an effort to arrest the suspect. Successfully arrested the criminal put the criminal in jail, did not shoot, just tasered. That criminal's best friend decided that the officer needed to die and so gunned him down, I believe in his front yard. Gunned him down. His first day at his new job, his wife, and a six months old, he left behind. My wife is on her motorcycle at a Patriot Guard ride to honor the life of a assassinated police officer.
The governor of the state of Georgia, Brian Kemp, is there at the funeral. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have shown up. An overwhelming crowd for a needless, reckless death. You know what makes it even worse is the newspaper coverage and the local media coverage has been inundated with people saying, kill more, kill more. One dead cop is not enough. Yes, it's it's people behaving as people do on the internet. The internet section, uh, the internet comment section is overrun with all the demons of the Legion that got out of the drowned pigs in Mark chapter 5. They needed somewhere to go, so they invented the hell site Twitter, and not content, they've overtaken the comment sections of every place on the internet. But some of them mean what they say and wish for more dead cops. Crime is on the rise in the United States of America. The media has done a really, really fine, marvelous job of trying to not tie two and two together. I live in Georgia. The capital of Georgia is Atlanta. The mayor of Atlanta is one of the people who wants to defund and has been defunding the police. She calls it a reallocation of resources. You know what this genius's scheme is to fight crime in Atlanta? having lost the trust of the police and the people over the issue of crime, seen an uprising in the northern suburb of Atlanta, the northern part of Atlanta, wanting to claim its independence and build its own city. Do, do, do you know what her genius scheme is? She says, hey, we need a department within the city whose job is to reduce crime. Go, oh, I'm not making that up. That's what she actually says. They need a new department within the city whose job it is to focus on reducing crime. Let's call it, I don't know, police? I, I, I don't know. A very simplified message is defund the police. But I think the, the overarching theme is that people want to see a reallocation of resources into community development and alternatives to just criminalizing um, responses to behavior. So I think it's incumbent upon us to help people articulate that frustration. Um, And so even when I look at our budget, the vast majority of our police budget goes to salary, pensions, workers' compensation, capital improvements. But we've cut our corrections budget by 60%, and we are allocating that funding specifically to help with the conversion of our jail to a center of equity, health, and wellness. So on the surface, it, it, it may look like, oh, you just need to slash your police budget. But when in reality, if you, you want those services and you're getting them, you're just getting them from somewhere else in our budget. And I think it's it, we just have to be very careful simplifying a message that's con- that comes in the form of a document that's this big 
um, when we start talking about city budgets. So they've cut their corrections budget. In other words, they've wound down their 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 jail. So they've let criminals out, and the criminals have engaged in a crime wave. Murder is up in Atlanta. Car break-ins up in Atlanta. Violent crime up in Atlanta. A police officer in middle Georgia murdered because he arrested someone. And the mayor of Atlanta and other mayors and Democratic politicians around the country, they've been treating the police like the bad guy for a while. Since the George Floyd riots, even before that, they've been treating the police as the bad guy. It is part of the postmodern ethos that we're in where the bad guy are the rule and the good guy is the exception. No, hell no. It's not that way. It's the exact opposite. The number of police officers who will put their lives on the line on a daily basis to keep you and me safe and Democratic politicians crap all over them because they're scared of the mob. And what's that gotten us? A six-month-old in middle Georgia whose dad is now dead. Who speaks up for the police? Who speaks up for the good guys who keep you safe from the bad guys in the shadows? It shouldn't be a race thing. You know who doesn't want the police defunded? Black neighborhoods. Guess where the violence and crime tends to be? Black neighborhoods. The mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, drew fire for his support of the stop and frisk policy because he said, yes, you put police officers in minority communities. Why? Because typically it's the 16 to 25 year old minority male who is doing the murdering and the shooting. And so you put them where those people live. It's not racial profiling, it's profiling the crime statistics. He's not wrong, but he was excoriated for it. You can't sleep well at night and go to school in the morning or get up and go to a productive job when you're worried about the bullets flying at night. When you're worried about the random acts of violence. When you're worried about your child being lured into a gang. You know who's keeping those people safe? It's not the mayors of Atlanta and Dallas and Minneapolis and wherever. It's the police. It's the police who are keeping them safe. Are there ways to improve? Yes, there are always ways to improve. I talk to police officers all the time who say, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of kids. They get into the police. They, they rush through it. They want to have a heavy hand. They're not discouraged from doing it. Yes, there's always ways to train. There's always ways to improve. But it's no excuse for cutting the funding and treating the police like the bad guy. It is right now an exception that someone would so cavalierly go off and seek justice for his arrested friend by murdering a police officer, assassinating a police officer. How long before it becomes the rule? Oh, these things will happen. If you keep degrading police and treating them as the bad guy, it will happen. And you will see police leave the job. And you will see more crime, not less. These things are logically predictable. They are as predictable as as 
you elect a geriatric who can't make it through the day and, and he's asleep at the switch at night and the port crisis and, and transportation crisis have is all foreseeable. Inflation foreseeable when the government starts dumping money in. It's all foreseeable. All these things are foreseeable. The only people who don't seem to see them are the politicians who are scared of the mob. I got up this morning, got my kids ready for school. One of the joys of no longer doing nine to noon radio instead of doing noon to three live recorded where you are is I get to sleep in a little bit. Not this morning. I got up, made sure the kids were ready for school. My wife had to be gone so that she could join hundreds of other people on motorcycles to go to a ride to honor a 26-year-old. A 26-year-old. I was newly married at 26 in a miserable job as a lawyer on my way to doing, you know, yesterday was our 21st anniversary. Neither my wife nor I expected me to be doing what I'm doing right now or for her to to be doing what she's doing right now, that's for sure. We've had 21 years, that police officer has no more time. His child is six months old, will have no memory of her father. Because for two years now, politicians on the left have been treating police officers as racist bad guys. And someone decided to be okay to go assassinate a police officer for the outrage of arresting someone. Not killing them, just arresting them. This will be the world in which we live unless the politicians stop treating the police as the scapegoat for the politicians' failures to implement sound public policies. We should have no 26-year-old dead police officers in this country. And you can say, well, we shouldn't have these people die either. Nope, nope, we shouldn't, we shouldn't. but one doesn't make the other one acceptable. 26-year-old police officer, Dylan Harrison, dead in middle Georgia, his first day on the job, shot by the friend of a criminal who decided he needed to pay back the police officer for merely tasing and arresting the friend. A six-year-old and a wife will now be alone. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, if you'd like to be on the program. Well, the president of Netflix is out. He's defending Dave Chappelle. Uh, the left wants to cancel Dave Chappelle. You know, this this gets to the the words or violent sort of things, uh, which I don't genuinely subscribe to. They believe that uh, Dave Chappelle, the, the transgender community believes that Dave Chappelle's words about the transgender community are violence against that community. No, no, they're not nor are the words of police officers 
or politicians about police officers, violence against the police. But you degrade people's trust in the police and make them the bad guy, then eventually people may act out against the police. No one's trying to make the transgender community the bad guys. If anything, Chappelle has pointed out how the transgender community are bullies, and they're bullying him as a result of it. Uh, One of the things, though, I got to say is that the Netflix president, Ted Sarandos, this is his statement. Chappelle is one of the most popular stand-up comedians today. His last special was also controversial, is our most watched, stickiest, and most award-winning stand-up special to date. My problem with uh, Sarandos' statement is, why is he making it about money? Wanted about the ability of creative people to produce without fear of cancellation. I mean, look, uh, let, let's let's be honest here. It's a good thing that he's standing for for Chappelle. But if Chappelle wasn't making him money, I get the sense he'd be perfectly happy to throw Chappelle overboard. He can't throw Chappelle overboard because Chappelle has a following and he makes money. And Chappelle has shown himself willing to leave $50 million on the table. Viacom and HBO, they wanted him to do specials. They wanted him to make them more money. And he left it all on the table, and the Netflix came calling. And Chappelle has been able to use his fan base to get groups like HBO to stop running Chappelle's content. He's been able to harness the Me Too movement for his own purposes, righteous purposes, by the way, uh, not nefarious purposes, good good cause. These companies thought they they could take advantage of him, and he showed them that, no, he is the creator of his content. Taylor Swift has done very similar things. She's the creator of her content. You know, she's remaking old albums because she didn't like that the uh, former company won't sell her her old stuff reasonably. So she's remaking the old stuff. They can't stop her. It has devalued her old stuff. But I do think that maybe that the Netflix CEO is subtly suggesting we're perfectly happy to cancel people like Chappelle if they don't make his money. When he could just be saying it's free speech. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to listen to it. But the alphabet gang is a mob that wants to censor people who disagree with them, who dare say something. And if you actually listen to Chappelle, he's on their side, but they're too busy screaming at him to realize he's actually an ally of theirs, which is the most bizarre part of all of it. The phone number, if you want to be on this open line Friday, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Friends, we must discuss the topic of Pete Boot Edge Edge Mayor and his paternity leave. I say Pete Boot Edge Edge because originally people had no idea how do you pronounce Buttigieg. In fact, my my poor uh, text to to speech on my phone it kept getting it wrong. I mean, it it, it was. Um, I can't even remember the, the the absurd things it was it was trying to translate it as it finally caught on, uh, and so people say it's Pete Boot Edge Edge, but Boot Edge Edge sped up. Pete Buttigieg, former mayor, 
now Secretary of Transportation. He's on paternity leave. Let me put some boundaries around the conversation. You know, we live in the 21st century where two dudes can get married. There's no reason to fight over that. That's the world we live in, whether you like it or not. And they chose to adopt a child. Uh, Good for them adopting a child instead of a child living in an orphanage. Uh, The child has found a loving home. But Pete Buttigieg has decided to take paternity leave. Now, there is nothing wrong with you taking paternity leave. I have never taken, I took a couple of days off after both kids. I personally, I'm just not the type that would take paternity leave. I, I, I wouldn't take off several weeks after my child. And, and that's just my disposition. Some people, they want to take off several weeks. Some people need to take off several weeks. I, I didn't need to, so I didn't with either of my children. I'm not going to judge someone for taking paternity leave. If they got the right to take it, take it. The problem here is that Pete Buttigieg is not just your average American worker. Pete Buttigieg is the Secretary of Transportation of the United States of America, and he took two months off. Not only did Pete Buttigieg take two months off, nobody knew. I mean, the media, the, the press finally went calling. Where, where's Pete? Where's Mayor Pete? He's the Secretary of Transportation. We got a supply chain crisis. We got infrastructure negotiations in Congress. We, we've got uh, transportation issues. We've got ports backed up. Where's the mayor? We're sorry. The number you're trying to reach is not in service for the next two months. I mean, he could have at least announced he was it. But see, here's the thing. When you are the Secretary of Transportation, you are the president of the Transportation Department. You are acting on behalf of the president of the United States. If you're the, I mean, Mayor Pete wants to be president of the United States. He wants to be the first gay president of the United States. They adopt another kidney's pro- I'm sorry, over to you, Vice President, for the next two months. No, you're the President of the United States. You are the Secretary of Transportation acting on behalf of the President of the United States. This is really an indication we don't really need the Transportation Department. It's one of those departments we could get rid of in the federal budget or at least get rid of him in the federal budget. It has nothing to do with him being gay. It has nothing to do with him taking paternity leave, except it has everything to do with him taking paternity leave because he's in the indispensable role of Secretary of Transportation. What he could have done, what he should have done, is say, hey, I am going to alter my schedule for the next two months as my my spouse and I get used to having a child in the house for the first time. So I'm not going to be doing public appearances. I'm not going to be doing public events. I'm going to be re- relying on the deputy secretaries of transportation but I'll be making the final calls and always in contact with the office. Nope, he apparently went AWOL for two months and only when people started to look into it, he said, oh, no, I'm out for two months on paternity leave. In other words, he is very dispensable. I dare say he is the best secretary of transportation in the in, in, in member of the cabinet of the Biden administration because he's not doing his job. All the ones who are doing their jobs are screwing things up, but here's the larger problem. We got a screwed up situation and it's in his wheelhouse as Secretary of Transportation. 
Now, I, I got I, 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 just a, a couple of notable things here that are worth highlighting. One, nobody knew. They had to send out a press release, and it was it was a surprise to everybody yesterday. Oh, oh, Mayor Pete's on paternity leave for two months. Oh, so no one knew the Secretary of Transportation was gone? Nobody knew he was gone? That's actually remarkable. It, it's remarkable. It makes him also highly dispensable. The fact that nobody noticed a cabinet member of the United States of America was gone. Another one is two months. Being a cabinet secretary who should be on call all the time and taking two months off, uh, let Mayor Pete never lecture anyone on privilege. Because I don't know of anybody who could take two months off with pay as a cabinet secretary or anyone else I guess if you're a cabinet secretary, it's the one place you can. They In corporate America, I, I don't know anybody. And, you know, and then in small business America, you know what? You don't have paternity leave in small business America. Got a buddy of mine who's texted me. His wife had a baby. He was back at the office by 1 o'clock the next afternoon. Or wait, no. What was that? What was that? Late Friday morning? Yep, yep, yep. Yep, at the hospital by 1 p.m. at work. Some people don't have the luxury of doing that. I would submit to you that maybe the Secretary of Transportation during the middle of a crisis doesn't have the luxury, but hey, he, he clearly differed. And then there's something else. Uh, the immediate reaction when this became known and people were like, why is the Secretary of Transportation taking paternity leave? Why is he taking it for two months? It's, oh, you're saying it because he's gay. No, I don't care who the dude is sleeping with. He's the Secretary of Transportation of the United States of America. There is a shipping crisis, an infrastructure negotiation, and a transportation surface fund bill coming due in a couple of weeks, and he's gone. If he doesn't need to be there for those things, does he need to be there at all? Probably not. And then there's just one more thing. I got a sneaking suspicion that Kamala Harris did this. I've just, I got a sneaking suspicion that this is a Kamala Harris hit job. In fact, I, I said yesterday, people started wondering um, where Mayor Pete was. And the main reason is because the president is finally talking about ports. It was very noticeable when the president was not talking about port or when the president was talking about ports and the supply chain crisis and the backup at the ports, Mayor Pete was nowhere to be seen. And members of the media started reaching out. Where's the mayor? Where, 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 where's Mayor Pete? Now Secretary Pete. Where, where's Secretary Pete? Where is he? Nobody could find him. And the office would say nothing. And so finally they release a press release and say, oh, no, he's on paternity leave for two months. With pay. With pay. wonder if he has a nanny. Now, see, I, 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 I've seen several friends of mine go there with the nanny thing. Uh, one of the, there was a lament early on, uh, that he and his spouse, Chasen, I think his name is, that they were having a hard time getting used to Washington because of the cost of living there. You know, the secretary of transportation does not make a mountain of cash. Yes, it's six figures, but it's low six figures And Washington DC is a very expensive place to live. He could have chosen to commute. Yes, he could have, but they didn't. 
but I assume they do have a nanny, which also begs the question of why do you need two months? But he did it. It's his choice. I just think Kamala Harris is the one who set this up. Kamala Harris, you know, I never even got around to playing the clip the other day. Uh, I, let me let me pull this clip up. Uh, you know, Charlie cuts all this audio up for me that I myself pick out, and then I forget to play it. But listen, listen to this one with Kamala Harris. Thank you, all of you, everyone, for your incredible leadership, the courage of your leadership, the tenacity of your leadership, and most importantly, for your commitment to build a strong nation-to-nation relationship with our administration. President Joe Biden and I believe that the bond between our nations is sacred. And we take seriously our responsibility to one another. It is an honor, of course, to be with you this week as we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, as we speak truth about our nation's history. Since 1934, every October, the United States has recognized the voyage of the European explorers who first landed on the shores of the Americas. But that is not the whole story. That has never been the whole story. Those explorers ushered in a wave of devastation for tribal nations, perpetrating violence, stealing land, and spreading disease. We must not shy away from this shameful past. There you go. We, we must not shy away from the shameful past. So are, are, should we shy away from the rank savagery of the Native Americans? Should, should we? Should we? Because we want to focus on Europeans. Bad. Christopher Columbus. Bad. What, what about the... What about the, the savagery? You know, the Aztec were a pretty savage people. For all the people Christopher Columbus might have killed, he probably saved some lives by sparing people from the human sacrifice of the Aztecs. Not to mention the various Indian tribes in the United States at the time or what would become the United States fighting each other. You know, it's like the 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 group that is complaining about, uh, what is it, Mount Rushmore? And they're upset about Mount Rushmore and the white supremacy of Mount Rushmore. And and that tribe stole the land from another tribe in a bloody affair. I guess we're not supposed to talk about that, though. There are some things we still can't talk about. So she did that. It blew up her face. And this came on the heels of her speaking to a college group that wanted to talk about uh, Jews and, and genocide against the Palestinians. And she nodded along and agreed with them about how awful the Jews were. That blew up in her face. So suddenly she goes AWOL again. She disappears. And this story just, just pops up about where's Mayor Pete? I just think Kamala Harris had something to do with this story. I, the Harris team, have you ever, so I, I don't recommend the HBO series Veep. It's very funny, but it's also very vulgar and crass. But it is essentially a comedy about the vice presidency. And if you listen to people in Washington, D.C., it is a way more accurate representation of how Washington actually works than something sinister like the House of Cards. You just got a bunch of idiots, morons running the shop, and and they're all self-interested and motivated, and they do petty little things like this, like, hey, Kamala's gotten several weeks of bad press. Let's sabotage Mayor Pete. People are talking nice about Mayor Pete. And if this comes, so some folks at the Bulwark, you know, the Bulwark, uh, the Bulwark is the 
uh, anti-Republican, never Trump site. Uh, I've actually got some some good friends who write there, who work there, some people I I like, and uh, they they just they they don't like Trump. But a couple of them were in a in a podcast. And one of them the other day was talking about how uh, they both agreed Kamala is a terrible politician. And maybe what the Democrats need is Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete can be the, the next one. And then suddenly, suddenly Kamala's team, I think, sabotages Pete after that podcast. I think this was all Kamala Harris's team realizing that they're getting bad press. They need somebody to be a distraction. Nobody knows Mayor Pete is out on two months of paternity leave. That'll rile people up. And now, of course, it's drawing some sympathy for Mayor Pete. Oh, he's on paternity leave. He's such a good dad, family first. I just think, yes, family first. And the fact that no one knew that Mayor Pete was gone for two months means that maybe he never needs to come back. He could just stay out and and we could get rid of the transportation department. I mean, what's he really going to do to solve the problems anyway? Nothing. So why do we need the transportation department? I don't know. It's a good question. One that Mayor Pete probably has no answer for. Now, I got an answer for you if you're all stopped. I, I'm stopped up today. It, it, the weather changes. Uh, I, I have gotten my booster shot for the vaccine. I got to get the flu shot. And one of the things that I know is that, you know, this stuff circulates in the air and you want something that kills the germs floating in the air. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it does that. In fact, you can get three of them right now, saving $200 and getting free shipping, and getting them all for less than $200. So you save $200, you get them all three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping. It's an incredible deal for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, and it's filterless, so you don't have to keep buying filters. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You click on my name, Eric Erickson. You add the three-pack to your shopping cart and check out. You will see a discount box, a discount code. And you put in Eric 3, E-R-I-C-K, and the number 3. Miracle of miracles, behold, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Suddenly, you get this three-pack. They take off $200. The total value becomes less than $200, and you get free shipping. So you get three of them for less than $200, saving $200, and you get free shipping. What more could you ask for? The Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's EdenPureDeals.com. At checkout, you use the code ERIC3. Get rid of the viruses floating in the air with a great air purifier. Howdy. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is, well, it sounds like I just got disconnected from the, no, I didn't. I have no idea. I am in the call screening program, and you can call in 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you want to be a part of this program, you're allowed. I've been telling you what's going on in Virginia, uh, and there's a, there's a, listen, I don't have any affiliates in Virginia. I would like to have affiliates in Virginia. If you're listening in Virginia, you should call your local talk radio station and say, hey, pick up Eric Erickson. I, I would be glad to be there, but... I'm talking about this because it is a national issue of national importance. Uh, the, the the state of play in um, in Virginia and Terry McAuliffe versus Glenn Youngkin, and the Democrats are panicked because if Youngkin wins, it's a pretty big sign that next year is going to be doom and gloom and despair for the Democrats nationally. If he loses, but it's close, it's still going to be big. It's still going to be big because here's the thing. Virginia is a blue state. It's not a red state. It's a blue state. It's not a purple state. It's a blue state. 
So if Youngkin's even close, it's a bad sign for the Democrats, and the Democrats are doing everything they can to lose. The big issue of their polling now for multiple polling companies, now from CNN and CBS News, and I believe from uh, from Pew, one of the biggest issues is education. Education has become a massive issue. And one of the reasons it's become a massive issue is because of Loudoun County, Virginia. Loudoun County is a northern Virginia enclave. It has moved to the left. And Loudoun County, Virginia has been covering up assaults in the school system, including by a transgender student who raped a girl, allegedly, and then did it again after being moved to a new school. And now, yet again, there's been another sexual assault that has been revealed in Loudoun County. And do you know why we're only just learning about these? Because the Democrats in Virginia passed a law that school systems do not have to report sexual assault. They actually passed that law. And parents are outraged. And now you've got three different polling companies have come out and said the number one issue for voters in Virginia is education. Parents are livid with this stuff. But the Democrats are in a bubble. And everyone in the media has told them this isn't a big issue. I told you yesterday, the media, there's there's surprise, surprise, surprise about the issue. How can you be surprised by this issue? And yet they are surprised. Education's become a big issue. Probably, probably, Democrats need to rethink just how out of touch they are with Americans right now.